Hello and welcome to this edition of the Speaking for Him podcast. My name is Andrew Gomison and I am your host each and every week. And it is my goal to give you a dose of encouragement on this journey that we call the Christian life. So I hope that whether you're here for the first time or whether you've been along for the ride for the last 10 and a half years, that you will find something to encourage you today and cause you to go on harder for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm excited because today's episode features an interview that I did with the creator of The Thorn, John Bolin. For context, a few weeks ago, I did a review of the Fathom event, which was featured in early March in theaters. It was a two-day-only event where The Thorn was shown nationwide uh, in theaters. And I shared a little bit of the story at that time of how that came to be because The Thorn was a stage production primarily done in churches at that time and then they were preparing for their biggest national tour I believe ever and then COVID shut that down and so for a little while they weren't sure what to do with this production and then they decided to film it and to enter into a partnership with Fathom Events to distribute it around the country. And it's just been really exciting to see uh, this project take off. I was able to see a screener of it, and I really enjoyed it, so I shared my review. And this week, I get the opportunity to share an interview that I did with John Bolin, and I think that you will really see the heart behind the project and see how God reached into John's life and called him to be a disciple of Jesus and encouraged him to reach out to others and invite them to be disciples of Jesus as well. So I'm really excited to share that with you, and I think you'll be blessed with what he has to share. But first, let's talk about what is going on. Well, we start out today in Nashville, Tennessee, where we are learning more about the heroes of that tragic day. Incredible acts of bravery and heroism in the Nashville school massacre as we learn about the victims, many heroes who spent their final moments of their lives trying to save others. Plus, growing questions about why the deadly shooting at the Christian elementary school isn't being investigated as a hate crime. Hello, everyone. This is Outnumbered. I'm Kaylee McEnany here with my co-hosts, Emily Campagno and Harris Faulkner. Also joining us, Culture Plus Group co-founder and CEO, Lily Gil-Valletta, and Fox News contributor and contributing writer for Forbes, Richard Fowler. Well, the six victims of Monday's shooting will be remembered today at a vigil. And now a clear picture of their courage is emerging. Head of school Catherine Kuntz sprang into action when the shots first rang out. She was on a Zoom call. But she ran towards the shooter and sacrificed her own life by putting herself in the line of fire to protect her students. And one of the young victims displayed bravery that defied her young age. At just nine years old, Evelyn Dickhouse was murdered as she attempted to save her classmates by trying to pull the fire alarm. Police say the suspect was a former student who had detailed maps of the Christian school. They say the shooting was targeted but it's not being investigated as a federal hate crime. And Senator Josh Hawley says that just doesn't make sense. 
Police in Nashville have said this school was targeted. It wasn't random. It wasn't happenstance. No, they were targeted. That is a federal hate crime. There should be a federal hate crime investigation. Federal government should make all of its resources available to Nashville police. We need to prevent this kind of thing from happening again. And to do that, Laura, we need to know how it happened now. We need to know the kind of hateful rhetoric that led to this. We need to know what the influences on this shooter were. And we need to be clear about the truth here. When you target Christians, you target religious believers, that's a hate crime. Emily, Catherine Kuntz, and Evelyn Dickhouse, that young hero, Cynthia Peak, a substitute teacher. Mike Hill, he was a father of eight, um, as I learned on the Faulkner Focus, a grandfather of 14. Um, he was big Mike to his students, his family said, um, and he took great pleasure and found tremendous joy in his job with his students. And William Kenny, that young nine-year-old, had an unflappable spirit, according to his family, unfailingly kind, gentle when the situation called for it, quick to laugh, always inclusive of others. He loved his sister, adored his parents. Um, and then, of course, Hallie Scraggs, the daughter of, of the pastor. Greg Laurie, um, a, a well-known Christian pastor, wrote this. And I think a lot of people are asking, how can I make sense of this? What do I do? Um, how, how do I make sense of this senseless loss? And here's what he had to say. Let's all be praying for the Scruggs family. They lost their beloved little girl, Hallie, in this act of pure evil. Having lost a son, I know they are in unimaginable pain right now. I know there are so many why questions. After our son died, Pastor Chuck Smith said to me, Never trade what you do know for what you don't know. And here is what we do know. God loves this family. Little Hallie Scruggs is in heaven right now. They will all be reunited one day. Hallie is not just a part of their past. She is also a part of their future. May God comfort this family as only he can do today. And let's pray for the other five families. It just calls to mind Psalms. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. There is no other solace. There is no other source at all than God right now. And the fact that all of them knew Jesus before they died to me is the greatest comfort in this moment. My deepest prayers, my deepest condolences go out to those families. And I think about ordinary, extraordinary. I think about ordinary men and women who in moments, in split seconds of choices and decision-making exhibit extraordinary courage, extraordinary heroism. Catherine Kuntz, as you just detailed everyone's, and I'm so grateful that you did, Catherine Kuntz in that moment, who not only prepared the school for active shooter training, she employed, this was an elementary school, and she and others, and she employed training for these children, for their faculty and staff, and without such, they would not have deployed that in that moment. She undoubtedly saved countless lives, and then in the split second where she heard, heard gunshots, she confronted the shooter, as evidenced by the way that she was laying in the hallway. It was a confrontational uh, moment there. Evelyn Dickhouse, little Evelyn, who pulled the fire alarm to save others. We know that now Officer Colazzo was a Marine Corps veteran. He had, he had responded on the Christmas bombings on 2020 there in that same town. Um, Officer Engelbert had just received an award for precision policing, and we saw it demonstrated on their body cam footage. So what an honor to see the best of us exhibited ordinary and extraordinary in uniform and out. These are the stories out of the Nashville shooting that we should be talking about. These heroes, both teachers, administrators, and children who made heroic efforts to save the people in this school. I think it's significant that this chief administrator or principal, when she saw what was going on, she got up from her Zoom call 
ended it and proceeded to advance on the shooter to try to de-escalate the situation. She lost her life. And then we heard about this little girl who tried to pull the fire alarm to get rescue to her fellow students and teachers and lost her life. Mr. Rogers said, when there's a tragedy, you should look for the helpers. And it was encouraging to me to hear these stories of bravery and heroism in the wake of this tragedy. The other part of this clip that I want to talk about is Josh Howley and his appeal to Merrick Garland to treat this as a hate crime, to be really honest about the motive here. Merrick Garland claims that they don't know the motive, that they can't take that kind of action until they figure it out. But the reality is that this troubled young lady who identified as a male went back to her school that she had attended as a child and killed six people in cold blood. Another factor of this story is that this person chose this place because it had less security than the other place she was planning to attack. These are facts that the police have put into evidence. I also want to give a shout out to the police who are involved here for their swift and decisive action. Nobody wins here. But when you shoot up a school, you are giving up your own right to life because you are harming innocent people. I think it is only fair that we look at this honestly, that we realize that if this was just a little bit different, it would be framed by the media completely different. I don't have to go into detail about what that means for you to know that that is true. But I just wanted to share with you that there are heroes that emerged in this tragedy. We are in dire need of a courageous generation to rise up and to stand in the gap and to act in a way that puts others before themselves. We have a whole generation of people that their sole goal is to look out for themselves. We see this sentiment plastered all over social media. Do what's best for you. Pursue your own happiness. Don't care about what others need or how you affect others. But the Bible says to let each esteem other better than themselves. And it also says that greater love 
as no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And I'm thankful for the people that lay down their lives for their friends in this Nashville shooting. I'm thankful for the hope that they have in Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is truly the only hope that we have. So we need to stop acting like there's another way to find hope. Because the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I have one more clip regarding the Nashville shooting, and this has to do with President Biden's response. And I want you to listen closely to this, because this is very distressing and sad. You know, Lily, I... The moment the president came out on Monday, I was waiting to hear what he would say. Um, at the moment, I happened to be in tears thinking about these victims. I was in a group text with moms. We were thinking about our own kids. We were thinking about the loss of these families. I, I believe that that moment in my life spoke for how Americans generally were feeling. And you saw the president come up, and I saw a smiling face. I had it on mute, and I turned up the volume, and this is the first thing I heard as I was in pain along with the grieving nation. My name is Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband, <laughs> and I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. I think I'm kidding. I'm not. Now, he went on to address the shooting. Um, he did just after that moment, but that just missed the mark. It, it, it did. And like you, Kaylee, I was one of those moms. My, my son is in fourth grade, like many of these little kids that were affected mm. in tears. They go to a Christian school. Our head of school was connected to the head of school that passed. Wow. Um, it's not the moment to have that joke. Be funny. Try to connect with the audience at another time. But I think Harris is spot on. It's the, it's the tone deaf, that moment of, of disconnected empathy, which is exactly what we want at that moment of truth, a moment of pain. We've seen it in other instances in our history, whether it was 9-11. I was here in New York. We felt that you rise above politics at times of crisis. You lean into what we know, as Emily said so well, our faith, our core values. That is what we have. And when I see even in the press conferences that very day, some officials apologizing from that stage because they prayed and that's what we do in the South, that to me was very telling of that. Why do we feel like we need to apologize? Why? About yeah. prayer. When we did it for Damar Hamlin and 32 teams yeah. posted pray for Damar, but when it's our kids, all of a sudden is not as welcoming or 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 accepted there is something off in the fabric of america and i think that's what we need to focus on so there you have the comments by president joe biden to begin his presser talking about the nashville shooting i don't care if you are a conservative or a liberal if you love Biden's policies or you don't like Biden's policies. That was purely unpresidential. It was unprofessional and it was wrong. This is a time of crisis for our country. This is a time when people are looking to the president for answers 
And yes, I understand that the president does not always have the answers. But he needs to have an attitude of calm and reassurance for the nation. And cracking a joke about ice cream at this time and at that juncture is totally unacceptable. There is no universe where you can tell me that that was acceptable. And it grieves my heart that in a time when six people had lost their lives from a careless, cold-blooded act of a gunman, or in this case, a gunwoman, that that was acceptable. I am appalled, I am grieved, and I hope that the American people were paying attention. I urge you to pray for our president, pray for this administration. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turns it whithersoever he will. I believe that God is in the life-changing business. And I believe that God can change hearts. And I believe that God does miracles. And folks, in this country, we need hearts that are turned back to God. And so my prayer is that we would be encouraged to do that and pray like never before for our president and for his administration that they would have an about face. I think of another person when I think about impossible situations, and that is the Apostle Paul. He was persecuting the Church of Christ. He hated followers of the way. He had a zeal for God, as he understood him, that caused him to want to throw them in prison, that caused him to stand accepting of and approving of Stephen's stoning. He held the coats of those that are casting the stones. And yet God had a plan that was far and above what the church could even conceive. Not only was he going to stop Paul from his destructive path of persecuting the church, but he was going to bring Paul, who was then Saul of Tarsus, into the church and make him one of the mightiest church fathers. That is the miracle-working power of Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that from the ashes of this Nashville shooting, people will be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ because there is no hope apart from him. The next thing I want to share with you is a song by a young man named Logan Smith, who I discovered on Facebook Watch a couple weeks ago, singing with the Gaithers at 13. Uh, Well, now he's 26, and he's still singing Southern Gospel music, and I really love Southern Gospel music. And I reached out to Logan, and he agreed to do an interview 
with me for this podcast. So next week, Logan will be joining me on the podcast to share his story about how God called him to share gospel music with so many and gave him the platform of singing with the Gaithers. So I'm excited to share that with you next week. Um, But here this week, I want to share with you his rendition of I'd Rather Have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be a king of a vast domain and be held in sin's transway. So that is Logan Smith, and as I said, I'm excited to have him on the podcast next week, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. 
I've just been really blessed this year of 2023 to have a lot of interviews and stories to share with you. Nothing makes me more excited than to share other people's stories of how God has worked in their lives. And so, again, stay tuned next week for Logan Smith's testimony of God's faithfulness to him. Well, as I said, I'm very excited to share with you the interview that I did with John Bolin, the creator of The Thorn. I thought this was a very moving presentation, and it was much more profound and moving than my initial impression of it when I saw the preview for it in theaters. So I'd encourage you to check it out. And I just hope that you enjoy this interview that I have with John. But before we get into that, I want to share with you our quote of the day. And our quote of the day comes from John's favorite verse. And this is from John 10, verse 10. And I actually refer to this verse quite often myself, and it says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. And that is really one of the main callings of speaking for him, is to have people live a more abundant life in Christ. That's my heart, and that is also John's heart, and I think that's why I enjoyed this interview so much. So without further ado, here is my interview with John Bolin, creator of The Thorn. I am excited today. You who've been listening to my podcast know that a couple of weeks ago I shared with you my review of the Fathom event uh, movie presentation of The Thorn, and I have the privilege of interviewing today the creator, John Bullen. So welcome to the show, John. Andrew, it's so good to be with you here today. Well, I want to just start out by getting some background on you. So can you tell me a little bit about your growing up years? Absolutely. So uh, I was actually born in Cape Town, South Africa, my parents um, weren't missionaries. They were actually hippies-ish living in uh, South Africa. My dad was studying uh, religion and philosophy at the University of Cape Town. My mom is a fine artist. They actually met at the Goodman Acting School in Chicago, at the Goodman Theater in Chicago. So born in South Africa, we have these old Super 8 movies, Andrew, of this white Volkswagen bus, and my mom is painting flowers on the outside of it, and my dad is sitting with his guitar on the edge of the bus, and my siblings and I are running around somewhere in a field nearby. That was kind of my early growing up years. Moved to the States in the early 70s, and my parents came to faith through what was called the Catholic Charismatic Renewal in the 70s. And so I became kind of a denominational mutt. I went from we went from a Baptist church to a charismatic church to an Assemblies of God church. And then I went to school at ORU 
And uh, I wanted to study television and film, but my parents said, you've got to, if you, if you go into the creative arts, you'll be broke or weird. Not that they're wrong, but um, so, so I studied marketing and, uh, and then met my wife, Sarah, there at ORU. And that's, that's kind of my growing up years. So your wife is Sarah. Do you have any children? We do. We have five kids. My oldest is 24. My youngest is 13. Uh, three boys, two girls. My two oldest boys live uh, in Seattle. One works for Microsoft in their gaming division. The other one works for a company called Unity, working in their Unreal or their um, it's kind of their gaming engine department. And uh, and then I've got a, a daughter who is a senior at Liberty. I think she's a, is she a junior. She's a junior at Liberty this year, and then um, a senior in high school, and then a a seventh or eighth grader. And so I've got my hands full still for sure. So you talked a little bit about your unconventional upbringing, uh, being born in Africa. How did you come to a personal saving faith of Jesus Christ? Well, you know, um, I grew up in a home where every evening our, our my parents would sit with us and we would read through the one-year Bible. And so that was in me from the time I was a little kid. I went through a phase in in really junior high where where I I kind of like strayed and I really didn't have that faith in me for me it was really more my parents faith Andrew and I went to a to an AG youth camp in Lexington Nebraska when I was a uh, an eighth grader and I remember the the speaker I don't remember what he said exactly I just remember he had a, a moment at an altar call and um and I knew that I, that I needed Jesus. And so, well, went forward there at that youth camp. So it's in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska at a youth camp. And that's where everything started for me in my, my true genuine relationship with Jesus. And it's been now, you know, 40 some odd years of God doing what he's done in my life. And, uh, I've, I've never looked backwards. And we're here today talking because God uh, did something pretty amazing in uh, your church ministry when he prompted you to write this presentation called The Thorn, uh, which you've been presenting for many years. But can you tell us uh, kind of the genesis of that? How did that come about? That's great, Andrew. So... I moved to Colorado with my wife in 1996. We moved here to open a little business. I was volunteering at my local church and, um, the youth pastor uh, was leaving the church and asked if I would be the interim youth pastor until they could find a good one. And, uh, so I said, sure, I'd do that. And I became, I became the volunteer interim youth pastor. I wasn't a great preacher. I didn't have, I don't have a seminary degree. Um, I'm a storyteller. I've always been that. My family, again, is a very creative family. So instead of, um, instead of preaching, a lot of times we do these, I call them illustrated sermons back in the day. And, uh, we'd use a lot of dance and drama and music and, and, um, video special effects. And, and there was one Wednesday night after youth meeting, I'm sitting on the edge of the stage and I, I preach, I've been preaching a sermon series on apologetics. And the 16 year old girl came and sat next to me and, and she just started weeping. And she held out her arms and I could see where she'd been cutting on her arms. And I, and I turned to her and I said, you don't have to do that because Jesus did that for you. 
And so, so I thought next Wednesday night, we'll do a little drama, an illustrated sermon, and we're going to, we're going to show what Jesus did. I didn't want to be gratuitous, but I wanted to be real. These are high school and college kids. I wanted them to really understand this is what Jesus did for you. And this is how much he loves you. And then I also wanted to communicate the reality of what I consider the supernatural battle for the calling, the identity and the destiny of young people. And so, so that was the first thorn was the next Wednesday night. If I would have known it'd be around for 25, 30 years, I might've picked a better name. Um, but I didn't, had no idea that first show wasn't very good. Like the makeup was pretty bad. The costumes were bad. The singing was a little embarrassing. Um, but, but it worked because, and God's hand was on it, Andrew, because he loves it when we tell the story. And so, um, we had hundreds of kids that had experience with Jesus that night. The senior pastor asked us to do it for the church the next Easter. We did it for the church the next Easter and, uh, made some improvements and we had, about 10,000 people that came that first Easter to see the Thorn live experience. And then we did it for the church for the next decade or more. And um, and that was really an amazing time. But then we began to get phone calls from around the country, churches that said, would you bring the Thorn to our church? And so then we formed an independent production company, my wife and I, to tour with the Thorn. We 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 figured out a model to, to, to go from city to city with the Thorn. And for years, we toured primarily to mega churches around the country with about 40 or 50 performers. And these are world-class performers. People might ask, what is the thorn? And, and it's a, it's a two hour immersive experience that tells the story of God from, from the creation fall of man through the old Testament, and then into the primarily landing on the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and, and ending with the book of Acts. And it's it's not like a musical. So Peter doesn't sing from the garden. There's no Jewish line dancing. Um, it's not like your grandma's passion play. It's um, there's a narrator that weaves the story in and out. In the film version, it's the narrator opposite a young boy in more of a cinematic movie style scenes. But the, the the live show scenes are are done with performing arts. So it's dance and and um, acrobatics, aerial acrobatics, and martial arts and You've got, you know, again, I created it for high school kids. So you've got flaming swords and guys doing flips on stage and demons and angels battling during the Garden of Gethsemane and all those things. Um, but the whole core of the thorn is to communicate a crystal clear presentation of, of the gospel. So that was the beginning, kind of taking you through the touring years. I think the promotion for the Fathom event said something like Cirque du Soleil meets the passion of of the Christ, something along those lines. So I definitely will tell you that when I first saw the Fathom review, I wasn't sure what to think about it. And then I got the opportunity to see the, the film through a screener and uh, it was very profound to me. So after it had been in theaters, um, I reviewed it on my podcast and I would encourage anyone who is listening to check out the thorn, even if what John is describing doesn't seem like your cup of tea, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with how it came together, which leads me to my next question. Uh, and I know a little bit of the story, but if you could share it with our listeners, that would be great. What prompted you to uh, film the thorn and then what caused the partnership with Fathom Events? That's a great question. So 
really what happened was the world kind of stood still through the 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 season of of covid when things were shutting down we were on tour in 2020 and uh we did two of our of our six or eight cities on the tour that year and we were shut down in colorado we weren't able to tour the the whole team went home the next year 2021 we were totally dark that was the year remember that sporting events had like cardboard cutouts in the stands and and there really were no live events happening concerts weren't going on and I remember my wife and I thought, well, I don't know. Is this thorn season over for us? Like, it, maybe that's the end of this. And then I saw during the Christmas season what Dallas Jenkins did with The Chosen with Fathom and with his Christmas special. And it was so tremendous. I thought, I wonder if the thorn could be a Fathom event. And and so the Fathom began as a way to broadcast the performing arts around the country. So it was a way to broadcast the New York Ballet or Metropolitan Opera or Broadway or whatever um and so so we first approached fathom andrew they were excited they thought this this checks the box of performing arts but it also checks the box of this new growing vertical they had which was faith-based inspirational content and so they were really excited about the idea of the thorn because it would appeal to both their performing arts patrons and the inspirational faith-based audience and so Last year in 2022, we, we did a little mini thorn tour in two cities in Colorado. And, um, we're, we're surprised at, at the way those two cities sold out quickly, which showed, which showed us that people want, wanted to come back from COVID. Certainly they were willing to get back in big groups and we were excited about that. And then we had a great audience to film the live show. So we, we used five cinema cameras. We filmed for three days, what we call, um, coverage or pickup shots of all the angles you would never get in a live experience. And um, and then we filmed three live shows and we took all that footage. It was hundreds of hours of footage that we pushed together and edited together to create a storyline. Uh, and then we additionally to that, we shot for three days in Los Angeles. We, we, we filmed our narrator sequences, which in the live experience, that narrator stands on the edge of the stage by himself and addresses the crowd. And it kind of breaks the fourth wall, but in the film version, that didn't seem to work. And so we, we created a new character for John the Beloved to be opposite of for the film. And so the, the film experience is very unique to the live experience and the live experience is unique to the film experience. If you enjoy either one, then, then guaranteed you would like to watch it in the other expression for sure. Would you like to tell us a little bit about, first of all, um, the, virtual cinema event coming up and then also the live tour i would love to yes so the thorn premiered with fathom on march 6th and 7th and then we pivoted from that to now a virtual cinema release which actually launches today and um, viewers can watch they can pick a show time three or four different times during the day for the next month it'll be available every day um, on virtual cinema so if you go to thethorn.com then you can click on the showtime you like and your the video is available to play for a 24-hour period. So you basically just pick the day and time and you have 24 hours to watch that as many times as you'd want with your friends and family. Um, and that's, again, thethorn.com. Then the live tour, we are finishing up a 10-city tour. There's four cities left. We're actually in Birmingham, Alabama tonight at the BJCC. One thing we did different this year, Andrew, is we we really felt like God was calling us um, sort of out of just performing in local churches into the, what we call the public square. And so we thought we want to tell the story in these venues where culture says the best stories are being told. Well, we think we have the greatest of all the stories. 
And so this year we're in performing arts centers and I'm telling you, it's been uh, unbelievable. You know, there's that a verse that talks about just see if I won't open the, the gates of heaven and God's done that. It's more than we could ever ask, think, dream, or imagine this year's live tour. We've been sold out in Houston, in Dallas, in San Antonio, uh, in Denver. We're in Birmingham tonight. Then we're on to Charleston and um, then to Tampa. And then we're going to end in, in Miami. Um, and we're in these amazing 2000 seat, you know, beautiful performing arts centers, which is where I think the story needs to be told. So you can certainly go online and find tickets to those events. And then we're, we're also going to announce the fall tour, uh, here in the next few weeks. And we're coming your way, Andrew. We'll be in the, um, the Northeast and upper Midwest. And so we're looking at, uh, New York and DC, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Chicago. Uh, we'll definitely be in Michigan. We're looking at actually the Detroit Opera House. We're looking at, um, Columbus. So, so that, that tour is being solidified right now. And so we'll be out every spring and every fall for at least the next few years. Well, that is exciting to me to hear that this story is going forward in such a powerful way. Uh, I will say that one of my favorite parts of the film version was the interaction between John and uh, his little ward or charge or however you want to see him, little yeah. junior prisoner, um, for lack of a better word. Can you tell me uh, a little bit about the young actor who portrayed that part and how you found him? Yeah, so Carter Lockwood is a tremendous young actor. We uh, we knew we needed a, a young actor to play opposite John, and that same actor that plays John the Beloved in the film plays him live as well on stage. So this, and that was actually his first time ever in a film. So that was the the old guy. That was his, that was his debut uh, performance there. But we knew we needed a young actor. We had we had this idea at first. We thought maybe it'd be another centurion or a centurion or an older prisoner. And then our director Andrew Harmon said, you know, what if we did it as a 12 year old boy? I think it's innocent. Most people can put themselves in his, in his eyes. Uh, little Asher is the character name. Asher's story is all about identity and, um, being freed of the narrative of our past and embracing what Jesus is calling us to in the story of God and freedom and all those things. And so, so we, we, we began to just audition. I mean, Andrew, we probably had 50 or 60 kids that we talked to and looked at and, as soon as we saw Carter and we we watched his audition, we knew this was the guy. And and he was tremendous on in the in the film version of this. And in fact, he uh, he's coming tonight. He'll be in Birmingham and he will be live uh, for the rest of the live shows this year um, as part of the Thorn as well. So he's not just in the film, but he's actually in the last four cities here live as well. So we're excited about about him and what his future is going to look like. I think he's going to be a great young actor. And excited to watch his career develop as well. Okay, so this next one is a two-part question. First of all, okay. can you clarify what is the last date for the spring tour? And then if you have a particular word of testimony from one of the live shows of something specific that happened, I'd be interested to hear that. That's a, oh man, that's great. It's a hard one to answer. We're going to have about 45,000 people on this live tour and we've gotten so many emails, Andrew. It's overwhelming. It's humbling. It's, I mean, God's grace. And honestly, I think the thorn right now is drafting behind all the other great Jesus projects. We're, we're happy to be one of many. 
um, even one of the smaller ones of many. But you look at what God's doing with the chosen, with Jesus Revolution, with the He Gets Us campaign, with the Asbury and college revivals. He wants his name, his name known. And so we're happy to be the little passion play, turn film, turn tour. Um, and so the, the last dates, um, for this live tour would be, uh, April. It's actually Easter weekend, April 7th and 8th. So that's Easter weekend. There will be a good Friday show in Miami. We just added it and it's already half full. We added a couple of days ago. So that's going to be a really fun, crazy, um, city down there in Miami. With all my Cuban friends. And so that'll be Friday and Saturday, two shows on Saturday, one on Friday. And, um, and you can get the full tour schedule online there. But some of the stories, I mean, I could tell you stories of transformation. One, we had the guy, the, the character, one of our actors that plays Jesus. We have several guys that play Jesus. Like we don't have one. We've got a, we call him the G side. We've got about four guys that can play Jesus anytime. And, um, and one of our guys that plays Jesus after one of the shows, um, this little boy came to him and, and said, uh, the mom, he wanted to meet Jesus and the mom wanted, wanted the, the actor to pray over the boy. And, and he did. He prayed over him and he laid his hand on his heart and began to pray for him and just felt like God was speaking to him about this little boy and just protect his heart. And, and as he grows up and da, 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 da. And as it turns out, the little boy had a heart condition. And so, um, and so that was a just really neat to see God working and speaking in that way. So part of what happens on the Thorn tour is not just the, all the, the participants, the, the audience that's there, but also my actors that have this incredible life transformation in there. You know, these are, these are believers that are in the creative arts that use their talent to glorify God and that have an incredible, you know, experience on this live tour. We had one gal who, um, brought her in. She's, I think she was from Vietnam brought her entire family, extended family to the thorn. All of them made decisions to follow Jesus because of what they experienced at the production. Um, I mean, I could send you email after email after email that we've been getting from people that are experiencing Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time. Because we're in these neutral venues, we're attracting people of faith, people that are seekers, people from all different denominations, um, different expressions of, of their Christian faith. And so it's really fun to watch what God is doing. Um, I can tell you this, the, the venues we're in, Andrew, we've got the ushers. I've had ushers weeping coming to me at ushers at these, like, like the, the, the Broadway venue in Dallas, the Broadway venue in San Antonio weeping saying what God is doing is amazing. They couldn't get out of the auditorium. They could hardly do their job because they were so glued to the story that was being told. So we know the gospel is being preached. In, in these movies. Oh, we did hear one story about the movie where they watched this group watched it in the movie theater and afterwards went into a spontaneous worship and prayer meeting. Like it was like an extension of the Asbury revival at the end of watching the thorn in the movie theater that happened. So lots of testimonies were, were super again, honored and humbled that God's doing this. Um, we're just getting started with what God wants to do. We'd love, we'd love to see this show. Um, We've done it before in Spanish, so next year we might even do a full Spanish tour as well. We're looking at translating this into Spanish and Portuguese and sending that to Latin and South America. Uh, we've got a premiering in movie theaters in South Africa, Ghana, and Nigeria the week of Easter. So in, in two weeks, it'll be in movie theaters in Africa. So so grateful for all that God's doing and grateful for you having us on the show here, Andrew. Well, that's awesome. I just wanted to clarify that last date because this will post uh next week as of this recording so it will be the week of easter so that final performance will still be going on 
after this podcast posts. So you'll want to make sure to grab your tickets and go to the thorn.com for more information. And as John said, there will be a fall tour. So if you don't get there this time, come out in the fall and support the thorn. I'm really excited to see it growing so much. And it just goes to show you how Satan might've thought that he won some uh, victories during the, the COVID pandemic, but the things that have come out of it have been miraculous. I was actually podcasting from a local radio station before the pandemic. And then after the pandemic started, I was wondering if I was going to be able to keep it going. Um, but God caused me to uh, purchase some equipment to make a home studio and learn editing and production myself so that I can keep it going here from home. And I think it's even better than it was before. So God has a way of taking uh, ashes and making beauty from it. And I've seen it in my life and we're seeing it through the thorn. So that's awesome. Um, If you were to tell someone what you think uh, the biggest takeaway from the thorn is, how would you answer that question? I think the biggest takeaway from the thorn is uh, a deep uh, remembering and appreciating not just the price that Jesus paid, but how deeply you are loved like this much. And so there's a song that we play in the live version of the show during the road to Calvary. It's a third day song called love song. And um, it really says the message of this production, which is that Jesus would go to any extent to show you how much he loves you. And, and that's what I want people to walk away with is that they are not broken they are, their life is not over. They have not, there's nothing they can do to make them, make God love them more. And there's nothing they can do to make God love them less, but that he loves us extravagantly and, uh, in a way that, that, that is amazing. And I want people to walk away knowing they are loved and to have hope. And I want young people to be encouraged to go and fulfill the call of God in their life, especially the ones that are called the creative arts to go and do the thing, write the book make the movie, write the screenplay, start the podcast, create the dance, whatever the thing is um, to go and, and, and fulfill God's call in their life. Well, we definitely have very similar passions because I started speaking for him because I felt like um, young people needed um, to have something that speaks into their life on a regular basis. I feel like the family is under attack like never before. Mm-hmm. And so um I believe that God has called me to encourage people to walk closer with the Lord Jesus. And so I'm excited to be able to share with people projects like this um, from passionate people who are seeking to help others do just that. I just have a couple more questions for you. The next one being, uh, how can we pray for you as you wrap up this tour and as you're looking to the future? I would say, Andrew, um, pray for health and safety for the team. That's always number one for us when we're traveling. Um, I don't, you know, again, I, this, this show doesn't, does involve a good bit of what we call spiritual warfare and, and I believe in it. I think it's real. And so we know the enemy doesn't like it when we're sharing God's story. We know he doesn't like it when we're bringing freedom and hope and all that. So we want to pray a hedge of protection around our cast and crew. That's really important. And that God would, would, would water the seeds that are planted through both the film and the live show. So we don't want it to go, um, without being, without being planted. We're, we got a cool partnership this year with, with a, an, another ministry to allow people to have an ongoing experience after the thorn. 
whether it's connecting with the local church or getting prayer or um, diving into a daily devotional. So I want people that, you know, I want there to be good follow-up. So health and health and safety for the team is number one. And then that the seeds that are planted would, would, uh, would be watered when, when they're done watching or, or being at the live experience. And then my final question for you today is, do you have a, a favorite Bible verse or a Bible verse that's resonating in your life today? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it changes all the time. I do know one of the ones I love is, and I can't, I don't know, know the reference I should, but my wife taped it to my, my mirror earlier this year. And that was, um, uh, I will, I would, I will fight for you. I just need you to stand still. And so I do feel like sometimes I go, go, go so much and want to take things into my own hands. And God is saying, you just do your part and don't try too hard and let me do what I do, what only I can do. But my favorite verse would be John 10, 10. And that is the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I come to give you life, not just life, but life in the full. That's what God has for us. That's what God wants for young people. That's what God wants for this generation is, and I really believe that. That's a picture for me. The enemy wants to come and whisper to us about our past, our mistakes, our failures, our shortcomings, our limitations, and have us believe that we can't fill in the blank, whatever that thing is. And God comes in to break those old narratives, to break the chains of bondage, to set us free in every way, and to give us a hope in a future. So, so that's what I believe is God really does come to give us life, life in the full. And so um, that's my hope and my prayer for myself, my team, and every person that we we can touch with the story. Well, thank you so much, John, for being with us today. Again, if you want more information about The Thorn, you can go simply to thethorn.com. I will have that listed on my blog post for this episode, and I hope that you guys will take advantage of all the resources, including virtual cinema and the live show tour, both finishing up the spring and starting up in the fall. Uh, I hope that you've been encouraged by this and that if you are, you will share it with your family and friends. Thank you again, John, for being here today. Thanks so much, Andrew. God bless to you and all your audience in Jesus name. I want to thank John for sitting down and talking to me about this powerful project and the timing couldn't be better because we are approaching Resurrection Day this weekend. I hope that you are living in victory because of the resurrection. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, but you can know the written word of God without knowing the living word, Jesus Christ. So my encouragement to you is that if you have not yet placed your faith and trust in Jesus, that you would do so today. There are a lot of people that have claimed to be gods or claimed to speak for God, but only one rose from the dead, and that is Jesus Christ. The resurrection is why we have our faith. Paul said, without the resurrection, our faith would be in vain. So, in effect, the resurrection is why the Speaking for Him podcast exists. And so, I am encouraged today, and I hope you are as well, if you have any questions about what it means to follow the Lord Jesus, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you can email me at andrew at speakingforhim.com or reach out to me with the contact information that will follow after this show. And just know that I am praying for you because there is no change like the change that Jesus makes 
in a life that submits to him. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. His desire is to have fellowship with you, and he can only do that through the blood of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's about all I have to share with you this week. But until next week, I will simply say, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Keep serving the risen best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 